You're listening to the Broadway Podcast Network. It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of The Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play The Godfather now at ChompaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. Curtain of Theater people, and welcome to your program is your ticket. My name is Sean Chandler, and I'll be your host. Your program is your ticket is a discussion of smaller theater works and the people and organizations that make it happen. As many of you know, your program is your ticket is a helpful system where your program is literally your ticket to get into the theater and smaller, more intimate productions. It's these works we like to highlight, and it's our goal on this show to feature as many of these productions as possible while still discussing the biggies. My guests on tonight's show are director, actor, Max Hunter, and actor, Christina Toth. This talented duo will be discussing their upcoming production of David Hare's The Blue Room, being produced by The Bridge Production Group, of which Max is artistic director, and Christina is a resident artist. Last seen on Broadway with Nicole Kidman in 1998, The Blue Room is David Hare's loose adaptation of Laurent a series of vignettes that show how chance sexual encounters travel throughout class and power in society. I love it. That sounds so so juicy and like, that's, I'm super intrigued. So let's go ahead and bring them on. Hi, Max and Christina, and welcome to your program is your ticket. Hi. Thank you for having us. It's my pleasure. How exciting for you. Are you like, are you totally jazzed? Are you? <laughs> yes. Yeah, I think this is the kind of show uh, that this group was sort of founded to explore and create. Um, and we were fortunate enough for Christina to uh, bring it sort of to the attention of us and our designers. And uh, we're, we're really passionate for people to come out and check us out because I think this is our aesthetic. This is our milieu. And I think, um, you know, if you haven't been to one of the British Production Group's shows, I think the Blue Room is going to, you know, do a good do a good job of showing why we sort of exist to make art in the city. I love that you use the word milieu. Well. I think you're the first person on 62 episodes of your program is your ticket to use the word milieu. Thank you. (laughs) Have a great night, everyone. All right. (laughs) Don't forget to tip your way to the Yeah, exactly. Uh, Why don't we start by having you tell us a little bit about yourselves. Um, Christina, ladies first. Uh, Well, I am originally from Montreal. I have moved to New York in 2010, and so I've been in New York ever since. I am an actor, and um, I've been working with Max. This is our third production. So, yeah, I'm very excited to be a performer in New York City. And uh, 
for other than the obvious reasons of you being in the show and being a guest on the show, I'm glad you're here because uh, Christina was the one who told me how to pronounce Laurent, <laughs> which is the piece of which the Blue Room is based. Yes. She taught me how to say the Blue Room, so it's like a real team. <laughs> I taught her the real. Yeah, yeah, she taught me. And Milieu, too, right? Oh, because of me. <laughs> and you brought the project, right? I did. Oh, wow. That's um, I, think, cool. I think I was. Yeah, I was remembering The Blue Room is the play I read, one of the first plays I've read when I moved to New York. Um, I had read La Ronde many years ago when I was back home because it is, you know, a French play and being a French-speaking person. Um, yeah, well, I was more familiar with this one. And so when I saw there was an English translation, I got very excited. And so and I've always been a fan of... David Hare, so it was kind of both worlds meeting. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day, little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Very cool. Max, what about you? Uh, I'm a local boy from Westchester, New York. Uh, went to school in New Hampshire, Dartmouth College. Uh, moved to the city about five years ago. Um, sort of hopping around uh, regionally a little bit. Hudson Valley Shakespeare, the Pearl Theater. Uh, and it was sort of doing... You know, I, it was not the goal to be in classical theater. That's sort of just where the chips fell. Um, but it was sort of getting in to experience some of these classical theaters and sort of see how they operate. That became sort of the impetus to, tr you know, try and create something that was modeled in the mold of exploring classics and revival, revivalist theater. Uh, so the, the British production group was created about three years ago. So that was, you know... A process of getting to work in these professional environments and then saying, oh, I think maybe there's uh, an avenue here that is untapped or sort of a new, interesting way to sort of explore these same stories. But something that I could invite my 20-something-year-old friends to and not have to, you know, offer them to buy them a drink afterwards is sort of like a thank you for sitting through that three-hour whatever. <laughs> but sort of something that is, like, viscerally exciting to see and, and make the argument for, you know, getting off the couch and stopping whatever Netflix show you're binging and trying to make these stories authentically interesting to, to younger theater goers, I think. That's very smart. I often say that um, people don't necessarily realize how much competition we have in theater to get people to come to the shows. And it's not just other people's shows. It's no. not the other shows in it's the It's other city. media. It's, exactly. Yeah. It's Netflix. It's the movies. It's the internet. Mm -hmm. um, it, it's your cell phone. It's, it's I mean... Exactly. You know? All of those things that, you know, that, that buy for our attention mm -hmm. in this day and age. It's, I remember I had to realize that when I was doing my own show. I was like, wow, there are a lot of other things that are competing for their time. And I think you see, I mean, working in these sort of nonprofit subscription houses, which of which I think, you know, I like to think that I stole lots of ideas about how to structure the Bridge Production Group. Uh, last year we did a residency of sort of these plays rotating and it was a blatant theft of the public signature theater model of being able to walk into one space and on any given night you could see three or four different shows so it was like okay how can we try and do that in one space so that created this sort of rep system um, 
But you go to a lot of these plays, especially classics, and it's a lot of older, older, older white people. And that is a healthy base for those theaters. But it is not a healthy model for keeping theater as a lucrative, successful performance medium. So I think the goal underlying most of this is to, okay, well, how do we get other people in the door? How do we excite people who maybe haven't seen these plays or had didn't even know they existed or didn't know that it was for them to see is sort of, I think, the, the chief operating goal of this company a little bit. That's terrific. And it's great that you have uh, your resident artists bringing you work as well. That's I think that that's really cool because that, um, that makes me realize that you're listening to the people who are on your team. Yeah, Christina brought last season's Red Light Winter to my attention this uh, year, uh, the Blue Room. Uh, there's like a world of theater that I'm very comfortable with, and then there's like a significant chunks that you know were new to me. So it's been a joy to really get to discover uh, a lot of these plays. I mean, I, Christina has sent me many plays, so it's been a great experience to read and learn. <laughs> and then I think it's finding okay, which ones are going to be the best serves with our designers in this sort of uh, the mold that we like to create theater. I think the Blue Room is mm -hmm. a, a great example of that. Well, let's talk a, a, a little bit about your particular production of the Blue Room. Give us some detail on specifically what you're doing with the piece. So this is a, it's a collaboration with the White Box Art Space, which is this functional art gallery, multi-purpose art space on the Lower East Side. It's a nonprofit. Uh, it's a beautiful, you know, uh, it's on Broom Street. The first floor is this giant warehouse space that's always sort of, uh, they have these visiting artists coming in. Uh, and then downstairs they have this really intimate, beautiful sort of white box gallery room. Uh, so the, the desire to do the Blue Room, which is sort of these 10 interconnected vignettes, is to take a play that is not about characters. We don't get one character throughout the whole thing. It's, right. a, it's, a, it's a play that explores these themes. Uh, so to sort of deconstruct that in a way that would really highlight the abstraction of visual design, sound design, uh, welcoming the audience's imagination, going, you know the mechanics of this play. You understand that Christine and I are going to play five different people throughout the evening. This is not a, you know, a play where we black out and put on a mustache and go, you know, please believe this is someone else. No, the audience is smart enough to go, oh, we get it. So with that foot in the door, go, okay, well, let's bring you in with sort of uh, a really, uh, an immersive audiovisual experience that only heightens, I think, the strengths of how the play is sort of built. Um, what excites me with this is that, say, when I am an, an audience member, I'm always very um, thrilled when the production trusts my own imagination, my own intelligence in understanding what's happening without giving me too much. Sure. So I think that's what we're attempting here, where there is a celebration of two people putting on five different characters for ten intimate acts, and the idea here, this intimacy, is that we're not excluding the audience. We're rather including them in this, saying, like, you are as much as part of this as we are. And this is even more the collaboration, because the Blue Room offers you all these conversations to have after the show. And so if they're, you know, with them having 
this kind of conversation already with us. I don't know, it's just, it's very nice to see that it's not just a performance, but it's, it is a togetherness. Yeah, I think it's, it's a marriage of the, so we reached out to the white box because it's sort of, if we wanted to design a play that doesn't exist in a non-traditional space, there isn't that divide between audience members and then the darkness and then these performers. Uh, we wanted to find a space where it was, you know, you're never, you could poke one of the performers if you wanted to. There's that voyeuristic sense of like, everyone is in this room together. Uh, it, I mean, that sort of came from, I think it's the prologue of Hare's script, but the original French production was so explicit that it was outlawed and it was illegal. So these like salon apartment dinner parties would sort of mm -hmm. pop up where people would lock the door and then 15 of their friends, they would all like read the play together. And it was this like very decadent, you know, sexy, you know, meeting behind closed doors, like artistic meeting of the minds. So it's a little bit of that idea of saying, well, once, once all 40 audience members are in their seats and we sort of shut the doors, we're all in this for 90 minutes. There's no divide. There's no uh, uh, proscenium or sort of, you know, flat, you know, there's no booth. Everything, everything is out in the open. Everything is, the mechanics are put on display. And I think that's, that's a really interesting, exactly as an audience member, that's something that would interest me because we can't just sit back and sort of, you know, doze through the whole thing. There's a real immediacy to the, to the proceedings, which I think is nice. It does put you on your toes as a performer, as well as an audience member, this idea that you see everything, I'm not hiding anything, you will see me change and to that we try to create this um, movement that has this flow to the production. So, although we show you everything, well then we have to think about everything, obviously. So all you will see will have be thought of. So every choice is exactly. deliberate and and uh, open for exploration mm -hmm. and sort of uh, invites that invites that all encompassing. You know, it, it's not this focused. Okay, during this thirty seconds, you can only look here because we've only let you look here. With it's like no, you could pan around the room and see. Uh, track one of our characters as we're leaving and transitioning and changing and what that energy and movement is like or you could track the collaboration between the stage manager who is you know controlling all the audio visual that world she's sitting right there there's no there's no booth there's no nothing is hidden so there's, there's a real in the sense where you could walk around a gallery and discover things at your own pace and you know your eye wanders to where it wants to go I think we're sort of trying to mimic that idea of letting an audience member just discover our world and saying, you know, there's a lot to take in and people will take in different things and that's great. And it's all part of a larger thematic narrative, which I think is cool. It's <laughs> yeah, so it's funny. Cool. Like hearing, hearing this, you know, it makes me realize, wow, we've got a lot going on. <laughs> but also to that is we we stripped down a lot in the sense of the furniture is to a minimum. We recycle a lot, like from one scene to the other, you will see the same furniture piece being recycled into a different type. So everything is sort of going round in circle. And so it does seem a lot, but we are working with the most minimal that we can. It's and a, it's a the most out of it. Yeah, it's a juxtaposition of saying, you know, if the performance is 
deliberately spare and Greek and we sort of have these designated playing areas, then we can abstract what a park might feel like or sound like, what a hot summer day in a kitchen might feel like or sound like, what you know, a, a prostitute's room in the red light district uh, at 1 a.m. might feel like. There are so many specific locations that, you know, I, I think, again, to that conversation of how, is, how are these stories told in theater... Yeah, if this was a Netflix miniseries, each hour you could do a very photorealistic representation of these worlds. But in a theater, in 90 minutes, that can't be the aim. The aim can't be to create 10 unique, specific worlds that, that we recognize, but rather create a world in which we, as an audience member, go, oh, I understand that in this scene, because of these sort of cues that I'm getting from this outer world, that then I can, I can bring that to the performance I'm seeing. And... You know, everyone's interpretation of what, uh, you know, a park at midnight might look like in their heads might be different, but they're all bringing that to inform this play that we're now doing. You know, and I think it harks back to what you had said earlier, Christina, about trusting the audience. And I think it's a lot of... When we go to the movies, we're, for the most part, and maybe because we have to be, we're kind of spoon-fed what's happening. But I think I always say in theater... Uh, the, the play has to be a little more intriguing. We have to think about it a little bit more. We have to be a little bit more engaged. Um, and so it's, it sounds like a great marriage of, of script, project, and production, and also performance space. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it's great that you're doing this in, in like a gallery space. Um, my husband's in a production of Stupid Fucking Bird in, um, uh, I believe it's Long Island, and they're doing their show in a gallery as well. And um, it's, he just says it's, it's really freeing and interesting. And it does bring the audience so much closer into what's happening. They can already feel it, and they don't have an audience yet. Right, right. So that's, that's one, great. One of the, you know, in the elevator pitch mission statement of the company, it's to upend an audience's expectations of what they're going to see. If you say, yeah, I'm going to see Othello in the park tomorrow, if you go... I'm going to Shakespeare in the Park, we already have an expectation of what that'll be like. It could be a beautiful night in the park, or it could be a three-hour slog of whatever. What Each person has their own expectation. So what I love about doing these pieces, especially the Blue Room in our gallery, is you already sweep an expectation out from, an, out from under an audience. They, they, it's already upending what they expect 90 minutes to be in a theater, because the second they walk down into our sort of multimedia landscape universe... It's already probably unlike most theater things that they see. So then for us to bring a very contemporary, you know, structured text to this world, I think is a really interesting marriage of, of live theater and also sort of the visual art of, of the you know, surrounding world. So. Well, what's nice about... It's my first time performing in a gallery space. I've never been in such structure, say, to bring a theater piece. And there is a challenge to it that's very appealing, not just for the acting, but when we're speaking about design, we have a wonderful lighting designer, and, you know, it's a gallery space. There's no standard theater lighting that comes with the gallery, so herself, she will have to come up with some ideas, work with onstage lighting, or um, how do you call it? Um, Practicals. Practicals, right. Um, or even create this idea of there's a lot of scenes that happen in darkness and there's great play with how much light do you need 
Um, and to that, I'm, for me, it's very nice because then you get to hear the text so well because we'll be silhouettes and shadows. So you come and you really hear the language and there's going to be probably like minimal lighting for certain tableaus, not all of them, of course. But I've realized yesterday there's about three to four scenes where we're in very, very dim lighting. And I think there's a power to, as an audience member, of sitting in a room and essentially you're a fly on the wall. You're eavesdropping in on a very sensitive conversation between two people who may have just met for the first time in that moment. Mm -hmm. Uh, It isn't, you know, it isn't false. It isn't performative. It's honest in a way that is almost is almost not theatrical because you know you're sitting two feet away from two people who are sort of talking and you know basking in the glow of of a moment or sort of you know doing this this dance of power leading up to something um the play is really is really interesting in that way that it's 10 scenes that all sort of explore the human condition in a range of ways that then you know everyone will read something different into that because I think we all resonate with those things differently. And then I think to Christina's point, uh, the strengths of our lighting and, and projection designer, Cheyenne Sykes, is that she can really minim- really capitalize on deliberate, specific lighting. We're using a lot of LEDs. We're using uh, dual projectors. We have sort of eight television units. Creating this environment that is, a, is, a, is simultaneously... Uh, a, a visual work in and of itself. You could walk into a space and be like, I could just walk, look at this for, for you know, half an hour. But then it, it lends itself to the storytelling of what we're doing. Um, I mean, it is part a, of the conversation. We're yeah, oh in a yeah. gallery space and you look at a painting, first thing you'll notice is the light. Right, or right, Or at right. least I do. Right. And that's kind of great. We're in a gallery space and we give Cheyenne this... Well, she's as much as this sitting in this with us and she gets to explore her the way she wants to light it and right it it's, it's like a, a real a collaborative effort between between departments mm-hmm. uh, all with the same you know all working towards the same idea but what I really love about this is that these these worlds can comment on these stories all you know together but on different planes uh, our visual and sound design might be sort of disparate and, and disconnected from the specific text and moments but it's speaking emotionally to to an end game that we're all sort of reaching to um, which I think taps into that like visceral, you know, you're sitting there and there will be cues that, that are unrelated to the text but will trigger something in you uh, to, to sort of accept the conditions of the actors on stage. So, Just want to let everybody know that we're actually in a rehearsal space here, so we obviously have somebody... Being like, slaughtered. Like, like being slaughtered, rehearsing a haunted house or something like that. They're, they're expressing themselves. Exactly. Right. <laughs> Every once in a while, I'll be in a place like this and I'll just like, need hear, to scream. Be like, a scream or crying <laughs> class or something like that. Um, that is that is really cool. And and what I'm hearing is that y- your direction has to be really super calibrated to. Um, within this particular space because if you're in the dark and you're changing clothes and you're off over here and there's two different types of lights light I forgot what you called the 
the one type of lighting. Practical. Practical light. What what is that? I'm sorry. So practicals are anytime you use like a real lamp or a, oh, okay. or a cell phone, something that isn't like theater lighting on a grid, but is something that is like usually actor initiated. Like I could turn a switch on and the actual light would come on, oh. uh, versus something that is cued and programmed and. I didn't know that. I don't. Yeah. Now I know. Yeah. Well, that's great. Um, so, am, am I right in making that assessment? Like, it's it feels like if you're in the dark, uh, you'd be like, okay, I'm going to walk four steps and stop. I'm not going to walk any more than four steps because I might run into you in the dark. Do you have to be that specific with each other and with your directive? And if so, how do you balance that with also seeming natural and realistic. Right. I feel this will all come together when we'll really start rehearsing in the space. Because mm -hmm. your body will get used to the dimensions. We will run it enough to be to know it inside out, to know, you know and also you get to start of have a sense of the other. You know, you have to you have to be aware of everything. And that is particularly the person you're working with. So, yeah, for me, I, th I think it's going to be when I step in that space and take it in. Yeah, I think there's a nice shorthand between Christina and I and also uh, the teams that we've worked with to very quickly get on the same creative path. Uh, so, I, yeah, I think there are these moments of stillness and quiet where we sort of lose some of the lights and it's sort of these these more intimate moments but luckily I don't they're not very athletic moments so we don't have to like there's no real like navigating a charging bull moment mm -hmm. it's more just sort of two people uh, we did yesterday two people just sort of lying on the floor uh, kind of talking there's no there's no pretense of well let me go turn on the lamp so the audience can see us no because that's not what human beings do so you know with for for a minute it's just two people talking. And like Christina said, it focuses the ears, and we have to listen, and we have to sit forward. Um, I think what I really love about this space and the, this design team is in transitioning between these vignettes uh, and speaking to certain moments within them, there's a real focus of where we should be looking. There's a real, I mean, we're utilizing the space, we're sort of dividing it in, in thirds that are sort of these deliberate spaces that speak to different things, and using design to help, help, help us follow which person is sort of stepping out of one scene and following them into another. Each each character gets two consecutive scenes. Mm -hmm. So there there is a it's a very loose narrative arc, but we are always emotionally following someone into their next world. And that's specific and that's heightened. But then there are there's also moments where you can just sort of trust and celebrate just, you know, the humanity of two people talking. Uh, not about n nuclear war, but just about their feelings or about the dance club outside or there is this one particular transition that we've been exploring more lately and that's perhaps why I feel most comfortable talking about it because, you know, I'm more familiar with it. Um, so there is a moment where I transition between being an au pair to being a married woman. And what happens is you understand the married woman in her first scene where she encounters the male student, she runs into the au pair. So we were like, oh, wait, She's coming into the house to sort of meet with this younger student, thinking it's, it's empty. Right. And so this idea that both women come to meeting each other, we were like, well, let's try and see what that is about. 
So can we explore that during the transition where I'll be changing costumes anyways, but can we have a story within that change of going from the au pair into the married woman? How can I illustrate that they just bumped into each other or they she saw her? So we're working on that right now to seeing if there is something to explore, if there is something interesting to show. And yeah, I, I think there's a world in which you, you could just do this play as 10 scenes, blackouts in between, and we pick up again. But in this moment, we're tracking an actress as she leaves the scene. We're tracking a character as she leaves the scene, running into another character who is directly opposed uh, emotionally where the stakes where they're coming from. And it's played by the same performer, and we get to watch that duality, mm -hmm. the sort of identities wrestle with each other within a moment, within a character, accomplishing the logistics of changing for the next scene, but also furthering both stories that we've seen. Right. And, and I think it's that... That's a really great sort of nutshell moment that I think speaks. You could, you could, that speaks to sort of what we're trying to do with the whole piece is tell the tell the larger story at play here through these intrinsically theatrical means that are both sort of simplistic in performance, but also sort of really uh, uh, evocative in in design. And I think it's a nice marriage of the. I mean, I think this whole play is just a celebration of theater. This you would not get, like we said you wouldn't do the story the same way in a movie, or even on Broadway, even with a budget of $5 million. There, this, is a, this is a very different version of this story. We are changing nothing about this play. This is the Blue Room. But I think the way that we are bringing it to life will speak, will speak to the text in a way that is really interesting. And Well, that, that's great. Um, now, from what I understand, you're bringing the first production since the New York production with Nicole Kidman the first for the first New York production since her particular production is was I reading that correctly? My, um, if you say so, well, I don't. I don't know. <laughs> for, I mean, I know. I know colleges do it around the country. I cannot think of a, a New York theater that I've heard of do it. Yeah, that's that's what I got from yeah. from your publicist. Um, and, <laughs> and so it's if I'm recalling correctly, because I'm old enough to know to remember when um, the Blue Room came out the first time when it, when it was with the Nicole Kidman production it was done at Proscenium was it done at Proscenium yeah, it was uh -huh. done at the court or, or so about Broadway house transferred from the Don Mar um, yeah okay so it wasn't like um, like say from like Circle in the Square or something no. like that um, uh, the, the thing that I remember the most about that production was that it was a big deal that Nicole Kidman was going to become partially nude in, in oh. the show and um, that was what I remember most about that. Now, again, that's 20 years ago, and I'm in my 50s, but it's so nice that I'm hearing about this, and there's just so much more. I mean, it is true. It is a very sexual play, but we're not interested just in that. Of course, you know, there is a power dynamic that comes with it, and that's what I personally am more interested in. This idea of each character has two scenes and there is always a shift of power. They always experience whether they have the power or they don't. And what's nice about this is that you see the difference in their character. And further on that, there is a character in the play that brings this up and he says, are we always the same person with everybody in our life? Or do we adjust according to the situation, according to the people? 
And that, I think, is, you know, fascinating because, of course, you've seen those things happen. You've done it yourself. And so that, for me, is more interesting than just, oh, I'm going to see someone's nude on stage. Um, I think also it's, it's an interesting... I think it's a, it was an early example of one of these star-driven plays that now dominates the landscape, for better or worse. So sort of no opinion on that. But it was it was you know in, done in London for three months, huge success. Came to New York for three months, closed. Uh, tight window because of their schedules. Sort of that was it. Right. It's a real gift to discover through Christina through this world. Discover this very interesting David Hare play. Like he's a per, he's a profoundly great playwright. This is not a guy who got lucky with Nicole Kidman was wanted to do his play. David Hare's work is phenomenal. So to get to to get to mine the depths of that work without the I mean it's not a it's not a distraction to have a huge celebrity in a play, but it is this play is not about Nicole Kidman. This is about how this company is sort of trying to uh, deconstruct this play a little bit and sort of bring it to life in a different way. So it's really, it's been a lovely opportunity to to sort of discover, you know, a play that I think a lot of people don't remember for the text, and yet that's what we love most about it. So, oh yeah, no, yeah. I'm not trying to be oh, no, no, no. I, no, reductive I of your <laughs> no, no, production. No. I'm just saying that's that's what I'm recalling. And I do like David Hare's plays. I think he's he's brilliant. He really is. Um, I'm just I'm just remembering and recalling back to that. No, you're right. That's the for everyone goes. Oh yeah, yeah. Nicole came in, showed her button that, and it's like yeah, maybe I didn't see it, but sure. But also now come see our play and like you, you'll get to hear the play. I don't know. You, oh, I don't know if that makes any sense. It's it's it makes, it's, a, it's a nice uh, again playing on that audience's expectations of oh I think I knew the play because of this right. and then they come in and it's just a complete it's it's. You know, a different, different uh, expectation, which I think is nice. I mean, ultimately, from from where I stand, I'm just trying to understand it. <laughs> I look at this play and I'm like, what is this about, really? You know, and, and that's the fun of it. Yeah, it's incredibly complex because it is so unlike, you know, a straightforward narrative A to B to C curtain. It's it's we get the each each scene has its own climax, has its own. We you know, there's a real specific arc to each scene. So sort of navigating and conducting 10 of those with two people is really, like, it, it's, uh, it's been an acting experience unlike anything else because you don't get, you can't look forward 90 minutes and go, oh, where's my character? No, this character disappears in 15 minutes. These, we're doing these really truncated, very specific stories. Sounds like an actor's dream. You, oh, it is, it's a good, it's a good fear is how I'm going to put it. It's very nourishing. Um, it's scary enough to motivate you, not to stop you. But I really thrive on those things where I feel, okay, this is really, this is a challenge. I'm going to be on my toes. Um, I'm, you know, you, there's always more to discover and you're never bored. It's time for today's Lucky Land Horoscope with Victoria Cash. Life's gotten mundane, so shake up the daily routine and be adventurous with a trip to Lucky Land. You know what they say, your chance to win starts with a spin. So go to LuckyLandSlots.com to play over 100 social casino-style games for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Get lucky today at LuckyLandSlots.com. Available to players in the U.S., excluding Washington and Michigan. No purchase necessary. VGW Group. Void or prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. This, because these characters, you see them twice only 
and they all have their own story, but you only see this pocket in time. And I don't know, I just, I just like it. Yeah, and I think what <laughs> elevates it from being just like, oh, this would be a good text to use in a scene study class or something. What elevates it beyond that is that there is a real uh, a conclusive emotional arc that we go on that you wouldn't just get from doing one scene. One scene in isolation is sort of nothing, but seeing ten in a row, it really speaks to this larger human condition of uh, always changing and always sort of, you know, changing who we are around other people. And and it does a great disservice, not disservice, but it, like our designers are bringing their own conversation to this piece mm-hmm. in a way that is going to be so interesting and so, I mean, yes, it is, it is great for performers. It's great for us to sort of tap into these different toolboxes and play these different people. But at the same time, creating a larger sort of performance visual art piece that I think is is completely gelling with like the the themes of the play and and, and just like drives it's, it in a, in a way that it would be so interesting as, as an audience member to see. I think. Yeah, it's an open conversation on every side of designers. Like, okay, sure, you've got acting, directing, na na na, and then there's. Nicole Allen, who's a costume designer, she's got her own way of expressing herself that also informs us so much about these characters. And again, Cheyenne, the way she's going to light it, is another story to itself. So you've got like these three major um, pieces that are just all dancing together. And these artists, you know, we've worked with them for the last three years. So again, there's a really nice... Uh, base to sort of how we all work, how we all communicate. And I think we're all interested in telling the same stories mm-hmm. in sort of the same ways. So it's a company that sort of, I think, is supported because it's an outlet. Like, I know Cheyenne uh, mentioned to me the other day that it's it's nice to do a piece that is not lighting a family living room drama for two hours. Those are great, but it's also, I feel like, a real treat to get to explore and go a little crazy and throw ideas at the wall and see what sticks because it's all in communication with this piece. You know, I think this, the, the way that we're building this is it lets collaborators sort of run the gamut of ideas while all sort of fostering and, and supporting the performance and, and uh, the stories being told. So, Oh, terrific. Well, I could talk to the two of you for another two hours about this and your, your philosophies on acting and, and play selection. I mean... Uh, I have to get to yelling class, though. So. Right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Stop. <laughs> and and I, I have to get to crying class. Right, right, right. Right. And, um, well, I don't know about you, but I prefer laughter. <laughs> right, exactly. You can go to lab. Well, <laughs> you don't need laughing class. Listen to that. That's great. It's a great laugh. Um, but before we go, um, would you like to give out your... Uh, social media information and also uh, talk about anything that you have coming up um, either with a production company or individually oh the social media okay well I can be found on Instagram at Toth Christina T-O-T-H Christina with a C-H and um, well this coming July at the end of July um, there is I will be a recurring character in Orange is the New Black Season 6. So whenever it um, is released, July 27th, then I shall be on your Netflix. Very cool. (laughs) Yeah, that's neat. Uh, We have a company Instagram at Bridge Production Group. Uh, Our website is bridgeproductiongroup.org. You can find me on Twitter, but it's just mostly yelling about 
Donald Trump. So if yeah. that's up your alley, I'm on Twitter at MaxiPad, <laughs> M-A-X-I-P-A-D-D. Uh, but check out our Instagram. I think it's pretty cool. Wow. Well, thank you for being with us. Actor, director, and now I can add artistic director, Max Hunter, and actor and resident artist, Christina Toth. I, I could finally put all of your titles together because we talked about them. Of the Bridge Production Group's upcoming production of The Blue Room. Uh, I appreciate you so much being on your program as your ticket. Um, it sounds like a very, very cool production. And I wish you broken legs of the kind that mean, that mean L-U-C-K, lock, you know, not the ones like where you're running into each other. No, um, it, it, it just seems like you've really, you're, you're just giving it so much thought every day around the clock and really in, 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 in doing the piece with that. And that is so cool. I love it when a production company doesn't just write the script mm. and it sounds like you're, you're, you're making a genius and, and I think that's cool. So thank you very much. Thank, thank you for having us. My pleasure. Well, folks, the proverbial 11 o'clock number has been sung and the vows have been taken, so it's time to lower the curtain. Once again, big thanks to Max and Christina. Weren't they sensational? Uh, you can find more epi- episodes of Your Program Is Your Ticket at Facebook.com. The Program Is Your Ticket. I'm on Twitter at, at Program Ticket. The website is YourProgramIsYourTicket.com. I'm on iTunes and SoundCloud. Rate me and write me a review. Subscribe. That all helps with my profile. I appreciate it. Folks, take a little time to see a show this week, and don't forget to give a smaller show some love. There's lots of theater gems out there. Until our next show, good night, theater people, and curtain. Hey, it's Leslie Odom Jr. here on the Broadway Podcast Network to tell you about the RISE Theater Directory, a program of maestro music. RISE is a national online resource designed to connect and empower backstage and administrative and creative theater professionals from underrepresented backgrounds. If you work or aspire to work in the theater community, this can help you find your next project. And if you hire theater professionals, search the Rise Theater directory to find your next team. Create your profile now and get more information by visiting risetheater.org. That's theater with an R-E-R-I-S-E-T-H-E-A-T-R-E.org because only together we rise. Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus.